Welcome to the Up The Cream Podcast 2022, episode 9. I'm Dan Tomlinson, joined as always by Rich Harrison, a.k.a. Pommy Rich. How are you doing, pal? I'm very, very well, mate. Very well. Yeah, can't really grumble too much this weekend, can we? It, it does feel like it was a while ago now, playing on Thursday night, but mm. what a victory that was for Hull FC at Leeds, at Headingley, our fourth consecutive Win as the away side at Headingley. That sounds a little bit daft, but we did play Leeds at Headingley as the home team. Yeah, COVID. Just, let's not go there. But, uh, yeah, what a win. 31 points to eight. I thought Hull were absolutely outstanding. Oh, mate. 1-17. to 17. Unbelievable. And just, we didn't ever look like win, losing that game. I, I think the, the first maybe five, six minutes, Leeds looked all right. And, and, and made it an arm wrestle. As soon as we went ahead, their heads went down, and that was it, mate. It was, you know, that, that was a flashback to watching Agar coach Hull FC teams, wasn't it? Yeah. With but, no fight. Yeah, I mean, that's a, exactly what it is. Bit of a nightmare to 12 years ago, really, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Um, yeah, not, yeah, not good. Funny. Must have been absolutely hilarious to see oh, Le- Leeds <laughs> in their predicament at the moment. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> a long way that continue. Um, absolute meltdown. I must admit, I got a, a message from one of our listeners called Dave, and he said, was the score at 8.31, or was that the time Leeds fans started emptying the south stand? They did start leaving, and it got mentioned as well. And it's, you know, always, it's always bad when it gets mentioned on the broadcast that your fans are leaving early. How <laughs> embarrassing for you as a team. Awful. Yeah. Absolutely bloody awful. Yeah. Be, you know, the whole... The whole marching on together thing really irks me anyway. It's a bloody soccer song, for God's sake. Grow up, give your heads a bang. That's just wrong for the first place. But then marching out together, <laughs> 60 minutes later, that's even better. Yeah. Just awful. Yeah. yeah. Horrible awesome. place to go to. Also, me and my old man, we had our earplugs in. Um, just to you know, get that trumpet out the background. It's just, I mean, what grown man thinks it's acceptable to bring a trumpet to a rugby league match, I'll never know, but yeah, horrible play. Didn't play much, didn't they? Yeah, well, exactly, yeah, didn't play much after the first 10 minutes, did he? But yeah, watched the game back on YouTube over the weekend, and Barry McDermott actually mm. says it's the best ground in rugby league, and I'm thinking, okay, interesting, he's got two open ends for a start. It's, no, it's not Barry. It, yeah. <laughs> yes, put it, yeah, plain and simple. No, it's not Barry. Yeah, start with the positives. Mm. Uh, I must admit, I did feel a little bit smug walking at that ground after what I said about I get, uh, after the Castleford game about attitude and about oversimplifying, about who mm. wanting to play without earning the right to do so and not setting a platform or a yeah. foundation. And then they do that and look what happens. And yeah, there was an absolute meltdown when that squad got announced. And, and again, a couple of listeners when I was selling up the cream can back me up here, but I said it's not actually that bad. It's a strong pack. We've got we've got strength and depth in the pack. I think we could admit that, yeah. uh, especially when Josh Bowden's playing well and Chris Sartre's on fire. Liggy Sal steps into the back row like that. Andre Savelio, Kane Evans, Brad Fash, was, you know Jack Brown, blah blah blah. I said that pack and is Kata, not bad. And Kata, went off. Kata yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, exactly. Went off. Yeah, but yeah, the point here, the pack was really good. It looked good on paper. It looked solid. Said so there's going to be a go yeah. forward there, and then he, he stuck to he stuck to his principles as Hodgson. And left Jake Connor at fullback. Right, brilliant. Because that's that's our most that's our strike weapon. That's our most attacking outlet that we've got at this club. So keep him there, great. Then you've got Loverdue with the opportunist, you've got Ben McNamara in the halves, so you've got a back line, 
They've split Shaw and Viljikapani up, which was smart. And you've got Josh Griffin, who was excellent, and Adam Swift, who was always excellent. So it wasn't actually that bad a side that went suddenly, I didn't think. It wasn't a side that I thought would win by 23 points by no stretch of the imagination. But I didn't no, understand no, the meltdown. Up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just didn't understand the meltdown before the game. And it goes back to everything we've said ever since we started doing these podcasts. We have got to back Brett Hodgson because he's the best thing that's happened to this club in three years. He's absolutely brilliant. He's taken us forward in the right direction. And he's showing it. He's showing it now with results as well. Obviously, the challenge, and yeah, here we go. Your prediction's right. Five minutes in, and there's that word consistency. That's the challenge. That's the challenge going forward. We all know that. But it's about the parts that Hodgson's bringing to the club. It's about the ones that he's letting go. It's about the ones he's got planned for the future. I think give him time, give him time, and persevere with him, and not get on his back. And let's see where we are in a year's time. I, I cannot praise that man highly enough. And it was great to actually hear him speak uh, in victory and and mention things that we can come on to later about, you know, short turnarounds and player welfare. But more more than most, how proud he was of his players because that was a a good performance. It really was. It was about simplifying. It was about just going forward, getting a quick play of the ball, playing to your points, setting your platform and turning the ball over in the right areas. And Hull were magnificent in those departments. They really were. Yeah, absolutely. And, And, you know, look at the flip side of the coin. You know, if you were a Leeds Rhino supporter right now, um, you look at that and you think a whole team has just arrived at our home patch without their first choice halfback pairing, with a ragtag backline, with a fullback at wing, with a, a fourth choice winger in the centres, you know, with one of the best props in the league playing at second row out of position, with a bloke who hasn't played in a year playing as well with Keita, you know, what? You'd look at that as a lead supporter and go, well, that's two points. Straight away. And the fact that not only did we beat them, but we humbled them. No wonder they're getting on Agar's back. Because that is a failure of coaching. We had no right to win that game. Never mind winning 31-8. You know, with the team that we had to pick through necessity and brilliantly coached by, by Hodgson and... You know, like you said, horses for courses. Pick the team that was absolutely right on the day, and then you've got you've got a, a you know allegedly uh, one of the best coaches in the league against us in Agar, and the bloke who every player goes, oh, you know, when I spoke to Rich, you know, it was fantastic, and he sold the club to me and everything. Well, bloody hell, it's a good job he does stuff like that because he can't coach a team because they were abject. I mean, like, I noticed that one of their sponsors is Anchor Butter. Well, that's exactly what their defensive line is. They're soft. They're a soft, soft Leeds team. I've not seen a Leeds team that that soft. And we made them look soft. I mean, don't get me wrong. We, we, really, we really put the knife in. But they were poor. They were very poor. Yeah, I agree. They were woeful. I, I said woeful mm. in... In my, in my written stuff, uh, but I think mm. Hull made them woeful to an extent as oh, well, yeah. just by how yeah. how ferocious they were and how tough they were in the pack. I just love that yeah. intent to go forward all the time and, and take the drives in. And people say, yeah, it's not necessarily down to a half back. The point here was being I had a little uh, little pop up McNamara and Reynolds last week, uh, saying we had a lack of direction, a lack of go forward, and people were saying that doesn't okay. that doesn't fall on the half back. <laughs> it does because they're the ones that organise and steer on the field. They're the ones that say right, Houghton, send three and then give me the ball. No. But Hull didn't want to do that at Cast. They really didn't. They actually stank. It wasn't an ability thing. I think you can reiterate that a million times. Hull FC did not go to Castleford and lose because of lack of ability. It was down to attitude. And that's the challenge yeah. going forward, isn't it? Attitude. And Hull's attitude at Leeds was brilliant because they wanted to do all that tough stuff, all that knit and gritty stuff. the first stuff. thing Hodgson said, wasn't it? First yeah. thing he said, 
last week we tried to win the game without earning the right to do so. Exactly. Exactly what we said but last we week. It. It's like Hodgson listens yeah. to the podcast. <laughs> I don't know, we'll go that far. We'll go that far. But we're on the same wavelength, aren't we? We see what we we're seeing what Brett Hodgson sees in the see and we can see again and it, it, I'm going to pour people to tears, people that don't like Brett Hodgson, but it's facts. He is taking us forward. You can see it in performances. You can see it in the players who will lead this club into the future, the ones who stand out every week. And let's look no further then. Jake Connor, that was absolutely sensational yet again. Yeah, yeah. Do you know, the thing for me, right, is you look at the players that are playing in that team that three, four years ago you'd have never heard of or when we signed them, you went, oh, really? You know, Satai, Sal, Sevilla, you know, Fash coming through the ranks. Sure, Lover Dua. Um, Lover Dua. Never heard of him. I'll be honest, I've never heard of him. You know, Vuliki Japani, for God's sake. You know, we, I mean, even when we signed when we signed Jake Connor, we knew we'd signed a talent, but we, I don't think any of us dreamed he'd be so prodigious and so mercurial as he is. Mm. You know? I mean, th- I think it was either last week or the week before, um, I had a bit of a, not a rant, but I mentioned that about people in the game generally, in, in rugby league generally, getting bogged down with statistics, right? And, and you know, talking about number of carries, average metres of carry and everything, and, and sometimes that doesn't get the flavour of what actually happened. Agreed. Right? Yep. Well, I'll make an exception, because on Thursday, listen to this, right? Only one Leeds player ran for over 100 metres with the ball in hand, and that was Liam Sutcliffe. None of the forwards ran for over 100 metres. For Hull, Swift, Griffin, Satai, Sau, Fash and Sevilla all ran 100 metres. Satai ran for 235 metres. 119 of those were post-contact. So Satai has run for more metres with men on his back than any Leeds player ran with the ball at all. If you look at their pack... Right? Oledsky, 78 metres. Johnson, 12. Pryor, 58. Gannon, 18. Martin, 56. Tetevano, 48. Their entire starting six in the pack ran for 270 metres. That is forward dominance from Hull. Absolutely battered them into submission. And when they were reeling from Satai and Sau and then Fash and Sevilla and everyone running at them and then Griffin and Swift and everything running from deep to get our steps off to a good start, while they were reeling from that, that's when Connor and McNamara had space. Mm. And magically, when you give a good halfback space, magic happens. And that's what it was. We earned that on forward domination. And those stats are Unbelievable, best stats I've seen a whole side ever post. Yeah, that it, was dominant. Yeah, you, you can paint a picture with stats, but when the when there is conclusive of that, you say, yeah, that's that's dominance. That's absolute forward dom- domination, and it reflects in the scoreline. It, it reflects what we all saw from our naked eye. You know, watching it, whether on TV or whether watching it live, it, it, it you could see that, couldn't you? you? You knew that Hull were absolutely dominant just by watching the game, and it's no surprise that those numbers have come out. And must admit. The starting pack, people, again, rolling their eyes, seeing Jack Brown at loose man. It's just the third middle these days. That's all it is. You, you yes, go with three middles, especially when you've got a ball-playing full-back, as we have, have the luxury of having yeah. now. It's The days of Knocker Norton and Mick Crane the, the, working the magic yeah. on the base of the scrum are gone because they're it's a dying, game now. Yeah, they're a dying breed. The See, this is the problem. This is another problem. This is another problem with the game right now. People think the game is still 1985. It's not. It's moved on. Yes. And that comes in a lot of the things that we can, that we can come on to later. But... 
yeah, Hulasi's pack was absolutely outstanding. Chris Satter is a freak. He's a wrecking ball. He's a cheat code. He's, he's everything. He's, he's phenomenal. Hey, another one of my favourite words. Phenomenal. Jack Brown was incredible. <laughs> I said in the Salford game that was probably his best game for Hull. He's probably gone and eclipsed that, and that's his best game for Hull because he was, he was sensational. He was smashing the Leeds pack at 21 years of age. That's a baby. You know, that's nothing in prop years. He, he, he's a hell of a prospect. Actually, actually that's, that's an injustice to Jack Brown now. I think he's more than a prospect. I think he's someone who, who is every much and the right to be in that whole FC 17 every week. He's absolutely brilliant. Mate, best game I've seen Brad Fash play in a long time yeah. as well. Brad Fash was, was brilliant. I yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I thought he was brilliant. It was smashing um, into him and making metres. Satire and sound. There was a point there, 60, meet, 60 minutes gone, I looked at them and I thought, Christ, you two are knackered. Mm. You know, you two are absolutely knackered. But then they found something else. They found another gear. They found they found a reserve of strength, especially after Cater went off. Because um, obviously, A, it, it reduced our forward rotation, but B, it also meant that the game was stopped for a couple of minutes, which gave everyone a bit of a breather. Um, Watching your mates so, as yeah, well, I mean, that must have been you know, that must have been a bit humbling yeah. for Hull FC players, thinking, oh my God, they'd have been absolutely gutted for him. I know sometimes yeah, that gives you a siege mentality as well to do it for your mate and get yes. the job done. Luckily, the game was also won by then as well, but that's horrible, isn't it? it what yeah, did Brett Hodgson yeah. say? It's hard to enjoy a win like that when one of your own goes down like that. And Yeah, as fans were thinking, yeah, we've just beaten Leeds and Leeds, after all, we're only a little bit you know, on the voodoo charts to, to Rovers. Uh, we absolutely hate Leeds. I'm very proud of the fact I can say that. But yeah, I, I did get it because at the time... You know, people's jaws dropping, thinking, "Oh no!" And they're absolutely, you know, you could, yeah. you could, you could feel it in the crowd when the, uh, when, when they, when they, obviously when the Achilles popped again, and when he went down, we're thinking, yeah. "Oh Christ, is it the same leg?" Oh, no. no one, yeah, just horrible, horrible, yeah. horrible, horrible, horrible. There's no um, words, is there, to describe that how horrible it actually is? It's you, got, no, you could just no. say you're absolutely gutted for him because this is a play that and gives he had everything. Such a good game. Mm. It had such a good game, and it 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 given us something else. It given us that kind of nimble ball handling through the middle, which we we'd been lacking. Um, and you know, I thought I thought he was he was close to being one of Hull's best actually yeah. before he went off. I thought, the I thought he was energy he brings. Yeah, just the energy injected when he came in, and, and yeah, I just I just thought he, he played very 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 well. And you know, when obviously looking at it now with a hindsight when you rewatch the game and everything you're watching his every tackle to see if he's he's favoring one leg or anything he wasn't he was he was 100% confident in his in his fitness you can just tell the way he was the way he was stepping off both feet the way he was throwing himself into the tackle you know it's just a freak thing isn't it it's horrible it is it is yeah um you're looking at Hull going forward you're thinking right man Mao's Joe back soon Jordan Lane hopefully just another layoff it was yeah. a whole side that had eight players out um and I don't think you can play down the importance of that. And, and you know, me and you, we don't like pissing contests. Do we say, oh, yeah, you've got this many out, we've got that many out. But to have eight players out, and like you were saying, including your, both of your, your uh, first-choice halves, who are on a lot of money, you know, a couple of big forwards, a couple of big outside backs, you know, your, your main winger in Daniel McIntosh, who started the season so well. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's impressive, that It really is to go there and stuff them like that. But... Yeah, the the cater point is absolutely gutting, and it it just sort of goes with what's happening at Hull at the moment. We get one back, but then we lose one, and now now we've got one back, we've lost him again, and then we get one back, and yeah, to have an absolute identical injury, a reoccurrence of the same injury, Achilles injury, which is probably one of the worst things you can do on a on a pitch. Now it's yeah, it's absolutely gutting. Um, you just got to hope that 
he has the right mindset, the right support network behind him, which I think he does. He, you know, he's tweeted as much saying he's got a great partner, a great family, a great group of lads behind him, which is good to see. And yeah, and it's a tough road ahead, but he'll do it. He's done it once. He'll do it again. He's still a young lad. He's got plenty of time on his side. He can come back and he can come back stronger. And obviously, every Hull FC fan wishes him well, and hopefully, he will come back and obviously smash this rehab process. But yeah, right now it's just. Yeah, it's a feeling of, you know, just absolutely gutted for him, as I'm sure every supporter will share those sentiments. Yeah, yeah, and I know we'll get, we'll get on to the, um, we'll get on to the, um, the NRL soon as well. Um, and there was another one of those games where a team looked like they were cursed, a little bit like Wave Pain, I think, um, where Melbourne just, you know, a couple of pretty nasty long-term injuries, including one to Christian Welsh, which looks like it's going to be season-ending. Um, and you know when when you actually see that happen, it's just it's awful. And, it and you know it's it's a mark of it's a mark of our game that when a, an opposition player sees it and, and stops the game and, and you know puts his hand up and, and all the rest of it, it's uh, yeah, it's it's not a it's not a great it's not a great look. And, and for someone like Joe Cater who's just come come back from from exactly the same injury and everything, you've just you've really got to hope that it doesn't you know it doesn't finish him and, and that he can come back from it because two in the same two of, of exactly the same injuries just uh yeah it's horrendous isn't it? it is it is and best wishes go out to to joe obviously yeah. um yeah so very very content with the with the pack then at leeds so, so oh, yeah. laid that platform laid that foundation played to the points for the halfbacks and the fullback to finish leeds off and I thought Joe Lovejewett was very good in the halves, as was Ben McNamara. An interesting point that someone made to me as well. Perhaps Ben actually excels more as the dominant half, which he's never really been because he's played obviously with with Max Snead in the past. He's played with yeah, with uh, Josh Reynolds in the past. He's played with someone obviously who's a lot more senior than him. Maybe he thrives as the mm. dominant half. It's an interesting theory, but that was his best game, best best game for the club. And a lot of people were saying that's the first time of sort of. You know, looked up and, and raised an eyebrow and said, yeah, that he looked the part as a Super League player, mm. fair play to him. Yeah, he's a young kid and sometimes we can be a bit impatient with young kids because we want everything right here, right now. I'm guilty as that. You know, every every Hull FC fan is guilty of that. That's the way it is because we look at Lewis Dodd, we look at Will Price, we think, blimey, how good are they? Why can't we do that? Yeah. But it's a process, isn't it? You know, there's slow developers, late burners and who knows, I hope Ben McNamara can leave a few of us with egg on our faces because that was good. It was the best performance I've seen from... From him in a Hull FC first grade uh, jersey, Jake Connor though was absolutely <laughs> sensational. He's a freak, and if I hear one more person shout consistency regarding Jake Connor, I think my head might explode because oh, it, there are some people that are clueless. God, just <laughs> absolutely clueless. Yeah, absolutely clueless. Or who were just bland and just <laughs> blinkered and who just won't see it because. They've just got it in their head that they want someone else there, and that Jamie Shaw's the fullback, and they want to pretend it's 2016 and live in the past again. We've moved on as a club, mate. We really have. And Jake Connor's the fullback now. He he's the, he's the number one. He's got the number one on his back for a reason. And Bradshaw's backed him, and he won't go away from that. And that is right. It's yeah. the right thing to do because he's the biggest attacking component of that whole FC side. In the first half, he was absolutely untouchable. The pass. Yeah. I mean, forget the two strides that he scored. I mean, imagine dummy in a kick and the defence actually fall, falling for it and scoring it. But that pass, we'll not see a better pass all season. It was That was absolutely magnificent. To, to actually pull that off and have the ball to even attempt it in the first place, because it's interception territory, isn't it, going past three players. 
Especially when oh, you've yeah, got a couple absolutely. of whippersnappers there with Sutcliffe and, and Andley. And to actually fire that pass and get it right and have Adam Swift get a walk in. I couldn't believe it when that happened. I'm thinking, Jesus, we're moaning about Super League all the time. But I tell you what, Super League's got some outstanding components and some outstanding players. And there's one of them right there in Jake Connor. That is as good as anything oh, yeah. you'll see in this competition. That was absolutely incredible. Oh, totally. And, and the thing that got me with it as well was that it was so easy. He didn't look like he, he raised a sweat, did he? You know, I mean, it was just, yeah. I mean, what, what else can you say about it? It was just that's Jake Connor. Phenomenal. That's Jake Connor. Yeah. He makes it look easy because he's that talented. It's effortless to him. Yeah. And people look at him and the way he walks around the pitch and plays in a dinner jacket and pops up and that's who he is. Because yeah. that's that's what Jake Connor is. He is it, the game is effortless to him because he's that talented. Yeah. Oh, just the, the thing that got me, mate, was the the. Um... I think it was Phil Clark. It might be, it was either Phil Clark or John Wilkin because they were both in um, they were both in commentary work. But um, when he um, that second the second try um, when he dummied the, when he dummied and went and just ghosted through, um, you actually hear Phil Clark just go, "Oh, stop <laughs> it!" You know, just I mean, it was just different gravy. Yeah. You know, just just a, a, a ridiculous skill level. To do that, just stupid. When he's when he's in in that kind of mood, the the arrogance that comes of knowing that you're in charge, you know, that's why he rubs up people the wrong way. Yeah. You know, I thought it was a bit disingenuous for Sky to actually before the game play the the footage of him and and Gale in opposition last year, and Gale saying he was the most overrated player and all the rest. Of it. I mean, that's so discontent in your own bloody team. That's, I mean, I know it was made, it was done out of jest and everything, but I still think it was pretty poor form. But, um, you know, the, the whole thing about him waving up to the gantry and Gail waving back and Gail <laughs> pissing himself laughing, waving at him, going, look at him, look at him, he doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's, he's playing a game of professional football, he's got time to wave at his mates in the crowd. It's just, yeah, mate, long mate continue because you'd much rather have him in the tent spitting out than out the tent spitting in, wouldn't you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And... Yeah, the second try, um, uh, just emphasised the tweet from you that I had to retweet um, on the Little Cream feed. <laughs> just basically having a having a, a bit of a smug satisfaction at people saying, oh, he needs to be moved, better balance of the team, put Charlotte full back, put Jake Conn in the centre. <sighs> no, you lose that threat, you morons. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, you 100% lose the threat. But that try yeah, showed exactly is, why, because he, he charmed into the line as the third man. The whole point is he needs space because he hasn't got pace. That's the thing with Jake Connor is he's not the fastest player. And because he's not the fastest player, what he needs is time and space. And at fullback, he gets it. Mm. Six and seven, he doesn't. He's too close to the defensive line. He's, he's a natural fullback, even though he might not believe he is. Even though he might want to play six himself, he's found his place. Yeah, I'd probably maybe argue that maybe there is a future in the halves as him being the main man, because let's face it, Sneed called the shot, Sneed was the main man, and Jake, I, I used to say all the time, that Jake was better in the halves, with Albert Kelly, than he was with Max Sneed, that's a fact, because yeah. Albert Kelly was yeah. your running threat, he didn't want to take, he, you know, he didn't want to lead the team around, as much as a S receiver, or seven would, and Jake Connor was much better as a half, with Kelly than Sneed, maybe did in you know, time, Kelly did exactly the same as that, this week for the Broncos well, there, well. there you go, there you go, and that's the, that's mm. the point proven again then, and maybe, in the future, who knows? Maybe Jake Connor can step into the halves and do and do a job. But right now, he's the fullback. That's obviously on yeah. the assumption that I don't know. 
let's say in five years' time, Davy Litton comes through and pushes through, or we, we a, a worldie comes available and we sign it and we push it to seven. Who knows? In the future, who knows what's going to happen? But right now, he is the man. He is the number one. That's a fact. You got to move forward as a club. As I say, it's not 2016 anymore. It's 2022, and he is the best best player for that position. And Again, you look at the defensive side to his game and if Hull FC lose, it'll be all Jake's fault. He can guarantee that, even though there's 12 people in front of him. And he do not run the ball back like Jamie Shaw did. He'd rather offload it to Virgil Capani or Adam Swift or, or Jamie Shaw, who himself played on the wing. But who cares? Does that really bother me? No, because Adam Swift is absolutely superb bringing the ball back, as is Virgil Capani. And, and when McIntosh plays, as is he. And, and that's what gets the sex role in your wingers and your outside backs and... Does it bother me, Jake, not taking the hits? Well, no, of course not, because I want him playing in a gin jacket. I want him popping up in that, that yeah. 10, that 20. But I, there was a couple yeah. of moments earlier in the game as well. I must admit, this was about 130 yards away from where I was standing on that you know, that sunken <laughs> terrace on the west, western edge of the ground. That is really a disgrace. But, yeah, moving on. Uh, it, let's say it was 130 yards away, but there was a, what looked to me like a moment or two where Jake kind of put his body on the line to stop Leeds getting over. Not not just him, there was a couple in the tackle as well, but he was, what the point is he was scrambling, he was doing his job as a defensive yeah. fullback. Under the high bomb, which is one of the most important attributes to a fullback, he is as good as anything. He catches the ball above his head, for God's sake, like nothing. He makes it look effortless, even catching a high bomb, yeah. which to some, you know, some people under a spouting high bomb from a, from a Max Mead or a, I don't know, a George Williams or a Johnny Lomax, they'll be crapping themselves. But no, Jake Connor don't give a crap. He'll just catch it above his head and laugh at you. And it, it goes back to what we said last week, mate. You know, if you if you if you're judging a fullback on his ability to stop one-on-one tries, well, then you're not judging him correctly because a modern fullback doesn't do that. Yeah, you know, you you look at the absolute best fullbacks in the world of rugby league are not fantastic one-on-one defenders. No, exactly. Because if you're, if you're a one-on-one defender, like I said last week, you know, you've got, what, four choices? You go for the man, you go for the intercept, you try and cover the, you know, you, you try and cover, you try and push someone towards towards the the, the um, towards the touchline to try and push bundle them in a touch or whatever. You, it, it's pretty difficult to, to, to do that one, just one-on-one. And you've probably got a 20% chance of stopping a try one-on-one. The problem is that if you're one-on-one, it's because the people in front of you have clocked off and haven't done their job. Yeah, exactly. And what Connor brings is an attacking threat from one that it just, it just massively outweighs anything else in his game. You know, you can say that... Oh, you know, he's not as good under a high ball as Jamie Shaw. Well, Jamie Shaw drops an absolute sitter on, on Thursday night. Um, when he wasn't under, under no pressure at all, he drops an absolute sitter. So, you know, well, well, OK, that's, that's one thing. Two, you say, well, his defence and his, in his speed. He's not as fast as Shaw. Or he's not as fast as Shaw was three or four years ago. Shaw looks like he's lost a yard or two pace to me. But, you know, he's not as fast as that. But he doesn't need to be because his speed is between his ears. Mm. You know, and, and that's that's what you need to always think about with, with Connor. Is that because he gets that extra space and that extra time out the back? He doesn't need that. He doesn't need the the lightning speed. What he does is he chimes in the line where he sees a chink in the opposition armour. You know, one minute he's popping up on the left and making the same two people look absolutely stupid. He made Blake Austin look like a a fifteen year old kid. Three hundred k halfback. <laughs> yeah, sat on his ass twice. When Jake Connor ghosted through. Yeah. And then bugger me, he popped in between those two tries, he pops up on the other side and throws a, a two man cut out pass, absolute world class, lands straight on the winger's chest. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Wow. You know, he's, he, he, 
that's the thing. You can't do that as a six. But no. he can do it as a one. Yeah. And he has to be there. He has to be at number one. Barring injury, or, you know, heaven forbid, um, you know, disciplinary, um, he's our fullback. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and has to be our fullback going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I rant territory with Jake Connor. Um, I must admit, I did enjoy doing absolutely bugger all yesterday after coming home from the pub, and I had a few hours to sit with my thoughts and watch some NRL games. I caught up with a few, but I must admit, nice. one, one I watched on Saturday morning was the Newcastle-Sydney Roosters one. And I saw a player who has been proclaimed as the best player in the world over the past two years make an absolute mess of a kick-through from Newcastle, then tried to dive on the ball, let it come loose. It, the ball went loose, yeah. came out of his chest, whatever. Newcastle picked yeah. it up, scored under the post. If that was Jake Connor, there'd be people amongst our fan base absolutely rinsing him and saying, shouldn't be the fullback and Jamie Shaw should. That's embarrassing. The best players in the world make mistakes. Tom Trevojevic on Thursday was absolutely anonymous. What did he yeah, do? Absolutely. Should we go absolutely. rinse him now? Do you reckon Manly are calling him to go out and put someone else up fullback and put him on the centre or on the wing? Of course not. Of course not, because and that's the difference, isn't it? You know, that's that's absolutely the difference. Tedesco is their number one. Mistakes and happen. The, the Rooster's number one for as long as he wants it, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, same with Tedesco, and it's not about you know whether they're in form or out of form because they are class and class is permanent. They both made mistakes, and you know we we said this last last year about about Trebojevic at Manly. Every team goes out to try and stop him. You know, one game in three, he'll be unstoppable. One game in three, he'll be anonymous, and the other one, he'll just have a decent game. You know, but last year, at the end of last year, he, he came into the team after 10 matches because he'd been injured and had the best end of a season I think I've ever seen a player have. He was unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. But then this year, you've got he came up against a team that had a, a robust plan to stop him and to make sure that they roughed him up early and that every time he got the ball, he was looking over his shoulder to see who was going to hit him. Just completely nullified his threat there. Completely. Exactly. And that's that's the point here. You can't have a ten out of ten week in, week out unless your name's Lionel Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. <laughs> it, it just can't be done. And you're gonna yeah, have even times... Ronaldo missed a penalty last week. Yeah, exactly. Also got an attrick at the weekend. But yeah, that's yeah, the thing. That's... This weekend, which proves your point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It it proves the point again, yeah. And even Connor getting lambasted against Cassie still pops up with two try assists and still our biggest threat on the mm. field. So there you go. Ain't going to be a ten out of ten every freak. It's impossible to get to those standards week in week out. But I tell you what, he does a bloody good job of of trying to do so. You look at since he's had the fullback jersey since the start of last season, and you could probably pick out fifteen games where he's been Hull FC's best player, head and shoulders. Yeah. You know, win, lose or draw. You think of some of the victories yep. where he's played in a dinner jacket. He's been nothing short of phenomenal. You're even going back to the yep. the the playoff win against Warrington in 2020, where Max Snead got man of the match and got a lot of plaudits, but Jake Connor created all the tries. He had him in his pocket. It was brilliant. That's when he had the yep. fullback jersey for I think it was the last four games of that year. And then Hodgson came in and went, "Yep, you're my fullback." Mm. He's gonna have games where. Yeah, you see, you get a six out of ten where your side's under the cosh and you're not getting the field position you want. You're not earning the right to play and. He's going to have times where, yeah, he's not as influential and he won't put out a skill set as he did on at Headingley on Thursday night. Are we going to get on his back because of that? No, we're not, because we're not stupid. But I'll tell you what, to say he's not consistent is a load of absolute bullshit. You'll try, you'll, and to say he's not a big game player is a load of bullshit. You'll go to Joey Mano, one of the best centres in the NRL, and you ask him about Jake Connell, say, oh God, he told me a frigging new asshole playing for England against, yes. you know, against my Keeley exactly. team. Exactly. 
He's not a big exactly. game player. Okay, he's the guy that tore England yeah. apart last year. Do you have like three assists yeah. before he went off injured? It's like for God's sake, yeah. people. And this is the thing: a player gets a reputation. Oh yeah, he's a bit of a dickhead. Yeah, he does this. He's a bit, he runs his mouth. He's you know loves a bit of shit ulcerees. Yeah, don't like him. And they have it in they have it in their head, don't they? Oh yeah, he, one every five. You know, pops up. He's anomalous for four games and he does something. And they have that in their head, that opinion, without without any any uh, research or proof yeah, to back that up. With no evidence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and and that's what that's what I mean. That's what Jake Connor. That's what people have with Jake Connor now. They're, they're, they're thick, to be honest. That's what they are. They're thick. He is absolutely phenomenal. He's in the top five of Super League players, as proven by the Man of Steel. That panel is got people like Ellery Hanley in it. I respect Ellery Hanley's opinion more than I do the bloke uh, down the pub or the, or the idiot on Facebook. <laughs> Well, yeah. by the looks of it, Ellery Hanley's going to be his coach playing when he's playing for the um, when he's playing for the um, Exiles. Isn't yeah, it? well, I hope I hope let's see tell them tell him to bugger off. To be honest, oh, yeah, you don't want to have players for England. You're not having yeah, yeah, bugger off. Yeah, not having but I thought that the the after match um, the after match uh, conversation he had was was just <laughs> absolutely stunning. That was just that made me scream laughing. <laughs> you know, well, you know, Sean Wayne said that he's been on the phone to you and he's told you exactly what happened. Oh, I've not spoken to him. Yeah, that's brilliant. When you messaged me that on Thursday night, I was like, "Was it really as black and white as that?" And you, you're like pissing yourself to me saying, "Yeah, it was." And I watched it back on YouTube, and and again I'm laughing. <laughs> yeah, uh, that black is a, and white. <laughs> it probably means he ain't getting any future squads in the imminent future because he's probably pissed way off now. But well, <laughs> he was asked a direct question, and he gave a direct answer. Yeah, exactly. Why? Yeah, exactly. Uh, but just shows just shows weighing up, doesn't it? And do you know that's something we didn't really run about. Yeah, we, we didn't rant about the England squad. You're absolutely right. It does show for the prickies. Uh, mm. Last week, we did not touch on the England squad hardly because, to be honest, I couldn't, couldn't be bothered. But mm. it's sort of nice to do so after a performance like that. Dan Sargentson's in that squad. He got absolutely schooled by Cam Scott when we played mm. Salford. Mm. Now, Evels is in that squad. Jake Connor's better than both. In fact, Jake Connor's probably better at people in that squad who are centres. Reese Lynn is better centre than Reese Lynn. He's a better full-back yep. than Nile Evels. He's a better centre than Dan Sargentson. He's probably a better half-back than a couple of them that are in there now. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's a better half-back than that Lewis Dodd. I like that Lewis Dodd at St. Helens, and there's a hell of a future there, don't get me wrong. And part of me's mm. thinking, actually, that England team should be based up of every single St. Helens player who's available, because they're a cut above the rest in this in this league. Absolutely. So, But yeah, Jake Connor should be in a 30-man squad. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's absolutely fastful. It's a 30-man squad. It's a 30-man squad. Of course he should. Yeah. And this attitude thing, I don't get it. That that's who he is. That's what makes him. That's that's what makes him what he is because he has that attitude about him, and he couldn't give a crap what we think, and he couldn't. And he walks around and and have that arrogance about him and say, yeah, well, look what I can do. I'll go fire that pass out to Adam Swift. I'll go make Blake Austin look like a complete utter fool. In the Southfield game, I'll go put six. I'll go put six try assists at Wakefield. I'll put the pass out for McIntosh. He's won us three games already, and we're five games into the season. <laughs> Oh, no, totally. And then, you know, you, you, this is, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to have to put this the right way. Carrying on doing what we've always done, it, it will still get the same results as we've always, as we've always got. Do you know? He's picked players there in that 30 man squad. That uh, it's the usual suspects, and this there is a, a Wigan slant to it, you know. Um, and, you know, Ryan Hull, really? At that age, really? It's not the answer anymore, is it? Really? Mm, not the answer either. Do you know what I mean? 
what the hell? We got a rugby league world cup at the end of this year. The Aussies will be looking at that 30 man squad and going, really? Ryan Hall, two years in the NRL, couldn't couldn't score a try. He's your, he's one of your first choice wingers, really? Who who are you really? with from the NRL then? We've got Luke Thompson, Elliot Whitehead, probably Ryan Sutton. Who else? Um, um Josh Hodgson. Hodgson maybe, probably not after the weekend. Did his knee again? Yeah. Um, and he's probably in that kind of veteran class now. Tom Burgess maybe. Yeah. Um, Tom Burgess. Is maybe George mm. Burgess if he if he carries on his rehabilitation at, at St George as as he's, as he started. Um, maybe what's his name at um, Brisbane, the, the centre. Um, uh, Farnworth. Maybe Farnworth, who hasn't done bad. He's all right. Um, and the, and the, probably a, a real smoky would be um, would be the kid at um, at Newcastle, the the um, the winger, um, big tall lad that we got from Huddersfield. Oh yeah, he scored at um, weekend, didn't he? Um, yeah, he scored. Yeah, I can't scored remember the his weekend. name now. This is Paul. Sorry. I can't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it'll come to me. Well, yeah, yeah. Look you know, at, I mean, yeah. there's not many. There's not mm. many. There's, there's no one you look at there and go, "Well, they're going to be in the team. They're going to be in the team. They're going to be in the team." You know, it's not something but you look like, at as five or six players coming in and changing that England team from. <laughs> look at them to oh shit, they might give us a threat. No, no, no. There really isn't. There really isn't. And, and honestly, mate, you, you, uh, Dominic Young is the. Is ah, the there we go. Um, mate, he's you know. Any any NRL fan, any Australian rugby league fan would look at, look at the wingers and go, "Oh, McGilvery, yeah, he was good four or five years ago. He was great. What's he done since?" Oh, well, he, you know, it was it was talked about by coming, maybe coming across to a couple of ga- a couple of teams over here, and you know, there's a couple of teams that really wanted him, and he said he wanted to stay at um, he said he wanted to stay in England, and oh, I can't really, you know, we've lost sight of him since then. Um, they'd look through the NRL teams and go, well, you know, Luke Thompson at the Bulldogs, really? They're trying to offload him. You know, like you say, all the contingent at um, at the Raiders. Well, yeah, maybe two of them, certainly Whitehead, um, Sutton. Um, and then, like you say, um, Abby Fan was up at Brisbane. But apart from that, there's nothing. There is nothing. Um and that 30-man squad is, is nothing for an Aussie team to be frightened of, I don't think. Stefan Ratchford, what the hell is he doing there? <laughs> Sargison, what's he doing there? Um, they'll look at George Williams and go, well, he didn't really set the world on fire over here. He was all right, but he didn't set the world on fire. They'll have obviously never heard of someone like Kai Pierce-Paul and, and um, you know, and probably Cruz Leeming and, and, and Matt Lees and people I'll like that. I like them three selections, though, if we're going down the Yeah, England. me too. I think yeah. that's... That, Mate, that's a step in the right yeah, direction. Yeah, them three, absolutely, yeah. Add Lewis absolutely. Dodd into that, so I think that's a step. And Jack yeah, Wellesby. Yeah, absolutely. Lewis Dodd. And look, Alegsky, for me, is, is the best young British yeah. forward out there. I yeah, that, that's a fair shout, yeah. That's great, yeah. Um, I'll say that name again, Jack Wellesby. I might piss a few old fans off after his theatrics regarding Connor Wynn, mm. but he's still an outstanding talent. He proved it again on he's Friday night, yeah. yeah. And look, to, look, to be honest, that, that you look at and you go, well, yeah, all right. But then Mike Cooper, Ben Curry... Jermaine, Jermaine for Gilvray, um, you know, uh, Ryan Hall, Sargison, Ratchford. What, they're in the, they're the top 30, they're in yeah. the top 30 English players in the league? Now, now Levels not. as well, he's another Jamie Shaw, yeah, he's quick when he can't no, pass. They're <laughs> no, they're not. They're not in the top 30, they're really not. No. Um, we could do a lot better. And, yeah. And to be honest, to be honest it, you can see how that team will play. 
you know, any of those 30, if, if that's the 30, if that's the, the only squad he takes, and there's no additions to that, which he said the door's not closed. I know he said that, but you look, you look at those 30 players and you go, yeah, there's, there's nothing for, well, there's nothing for a, a Tongan or a Samoan team to really worry about with that. Never mind Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, true. It's it's backwards, isn't it? When you think last time England played Australia, they pushed them all the way in and all six nil in a well mm-hmm. World Cup final. Um, you know, we was knocking on the door to play Australia. Uh, obviously, what happened with the Ashes was COVID related, but they didn't want to know that Great Britain tour, did they? Which turned out to be a disaster. So it's probably a good thing. But you look at what Wayne Bennett did, and this is an unpopular opinion, but Wayne Bennett was taking that England team forward. <laughs> Yet we all lambasted him because of his one word answers in the press. Don't like the media, so what? No well, one likes the media. Yeah, I mean, look. What... To me, the England man- the, the England team manager's job is a full time job, and, and someone doing it part time when they're also a club coach on the other side of the world and picking players he hasn't even seen play in in person and having to be told by the rest of the squad, "Oh, you need to pick Jake, Jake Connor because that's that's wrong and that should never happen." I, I do get the that. The thing with oh, yeah. the thing with the thing with him is because he's such a good man manager and a good tactician, he managed to negate that and still create a team that played well. Mm. Now you've got Sean Wayne, who is bluff, he is gruff, he is a liar, um, and a bit of a pain in the ass, having his fingers in that team day in, day out, and not getting a decent performance from us. Well, then, you know, you do long for the days, <laughs> you do long for the days of, of Bennett, don't you? Even though that was far from ideal. Um yeah, it um, it remains to be seen what we do in a major competition, but the early signs for me are not good. The fact that they were beaten by that combined nations team last year, yeah. um, and he was made to look an absolute idiot because a couple of the players that he didn't pick ended up getting picked by that combined nations team and scolding, <laughs> i.e. Jake Connor for one. Yeah, and that's the whole point why we've gone on this international crusade and look what Jake Connor's done in an international jersey. Mentioned what happened in the Kiwi Test series uh, with Joey Mano, but also his debut, where he came on as that for in that fourteen role and popped up as an half and put two tries on a plate. I think one was for Ryan all that day, and one was for Elliot Whitehead. That is testing my memory uh, in Denver. Isn't um isn't Connor? Hasn't he got some sort of Jamaican heritage? Yeah, couldn't, it, couldn't some, he maybe? It wasn't could, Jamaican. Could he maybe it, it, was some, it was Caribbean. Jamaican, yeah? yeah, it was Caribbean. It wasn't yeah. Jamaican, was it? It was something else. Uh, I can't remember the island. It was. It was hundred percent Caribbean. Trinidad and Tobago. That, that's or something, it. Right? That's it. Yeah, that was yeah. it. Yeah, Trinidad yeah. and Tobago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think it's a grandparent. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Crazy world, isn't Brilliant. it? <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, but. Yeah, it, it, not have him in the squad is is it's baffling. It really is. I can't get my head around it. Uh, but then again, it's a good thing for FC because he can just laugh at them. He can just rip so play opposition. You know, week in week out, which is what he's doing at the moment. He has the biggest say in Hull FC's attack. He has the most influence in Hull FC's attack. Win, lose or draw. As a supporter base, why can't we all just accept that and, and get behind him as the fullback and then just accept what Brett Austin does and accept that he's he's the one to take us forward? I can't yeah. get my head around that. You know, it doesn't matter what we all think. It doesn't matter if you wanted a different person to get that job. It doesn't matter if you want a different person at fullback or you want a different different person at centre or a different person at halfback. So it doesn't matter. You've got to get behind the club and the team. Something I mentioned on Humberside actually, I went on just before the season started. And, Started and the, I got asked a direct question: What's your biggest fear? And that my answer was people 
turning on the coach basically and, and not buying into what he's doing and smoking them out and because basically they spat the dummies out because they haven't got their own way and and this is a this is it no it's not just one or two blokes this is quite quite common and that's what worries me and you see it on Facebook every time we get beat Hodgson out oh the Reynolds out not good enough blah 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 Jake Connor not good enough blah 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 really he ripped the opposition up next week and last week he was wanking him off you know it, it just it really frustrates me we've got to get behind the behind Hodgson and what he's trying to do and I can't emphasise that point enough really can't but yeah Jake Connor is literally the biggest component of Hull FC right now he's, he's Hull FC's best player by a bloody mouth it's the it's the man child syndrome, isn't it? It's the I didn't get my way, so I'm going to throw my toys out of the pram. There was an idiot on on Twitter last week after the cast game said, "Oh, that's it, I'm cancelling my pass." <laughs> what? What are you <laughs> so? I mean, look, I probably shouldn't, and you know, I've I've turned over a new leaf on on Twitter, and I've tried not to be nasty and combative and everything, but I did actually just reply to him after the Leeds game, just going, "So you um, you're not tearing it up now, or you are tearing it up, or?" You know, do you understand the words of the song? It's in any kind of weather, not just a little bit of bleeding, light drizzle, and you just go, oh, that's it, I'm throwing it in. For Christ's sake, give me yeah. a bang. So that's the thing. You know, even if we were bottom of the league and losing six games in a bloody year, if you've won us, if you've, if you've forked out for a pass, you stay until the bitter bloody end. Because oh, yeah. it's people like that, right, that were the demise of a team like Bradford. You know, fair weather supporters, this massive influx of people, 10,000, 11,000, 12,000, 13,000 every home game. They start losing, people bugger off, the team goes to shit, they're in the second division and that's where they'll stay. And that's what we've got to watch out for, these bloody fair weather pain in the ass supporters. And, you know, I don't want to get to be one of those guys, you know, like, where were you against Heighton in 1978, you know, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. I don't, I don't want to be one of those guys. But, it, it you know, it bears... It bears a little bit of closer inspection for me, you know. Wigan, Wigan are a great side because they've got that arrogance that's born out of being successful. St Helens the same; they've got that arrogance born out of being successful. But you only have to get a couple of dodgy years, a couple of lean years, and watch how it falls. Look what happened to Saints when Kieran Cunningham was in charge, mm. and the discontent and the the dropping of of um, maybe. You know, not not a massive drop in attendance, but maybe a thousand, two thousand, which is the difference between a team being solvent and not solvent. You know, for a team, for for a sport like us that runs on an absolute knife edge of being profitable and not not profitable, and relying on multi-millionaire owners that are gonna um, that are gonna bail you out and stuff. You know, a, a two thousand person drop in attendance can be catastrophic for a team, which is exactly what happened at Bradford. Yeah, but theirs wasn't two thousand. Theirs was more like eight thousand. Yeah, but you know what I mean. It, it's you've you've got to realise what we are and where we are. And at the start of the season, me and you both said it's a season of transition. The coach hasn't quite got what he wants yet. He's still dealing with a lot of of hangover from Radford and from last. And you know, it, let's not let's face it. If he hadn't have been ruthless and persuaded our owner to be ruthless at the start of this season we'd still have Snead as a halfback and we'd have Fanua running around in the centres now anyone who tells me that Thursday that Thursday night against Leeds wasn't a step in the right direction well they're watching a different game and they're watching a different club to me yeah and, and not just that result though but what we've, everything we've seen over the past 18 months since yeah. options come in I can see that yeah. progress it's the thing is, right, everyone expects a coach to come in and just change it overnight. It doesn't happen like that. Never happens. Never St. happens. St. Ellen's have took three years to get to where they were. You think what happened with Kieran Cunningham was a disaster. Holbrook came <clears> in 2017. 
yeah, there was in the there was in the Super Eights and there was in the Super League semi final, but they never they never challenged it. You know, two thousand eighteen they started progressing even more. They were top of the league, but they bottled it. They bottled the cup. They bottled the grand final. They didn't even make the grand final. In fact, they got knocked out by Warrington in the semi final. Yeah, it took. It was a three-year process, 2017, 2018, 2019, they got it right. Now they're the best thing in the competition by a long way. That happens yeah. everywhere. Catalan, Steve McNamara, it's took him a long yeah. time to get it right. And even still, Lee Radford's won more than him. Steve McNamara has the beneficiary yeah. of being in the south of France with a couple of dispensions on the salary cap because of who and what they are. He's won one Challenge Cup, yeah. Lee Radford won two. It takes time. Don't get me wrong, I think Catalans are going to be, I think it's going to be a, a repeat of last year. I don't think anyone will touch St. Helens or Catalans, but it's been a process to get it right. That's the point. You can't just come in and, re- and revolutionise everything with the club. Not in a salary cap spot. It no. takes time. He deserves time. He oh. deserves patience. And, and that's what you got, that's, you know, what we were talking about last week with the balance, balancing act of, you know, putting all your money into youth and then hoping that your head coach still wins your games while you're waiting for that youth policy to pay off. It's the same with, with like you said, revolution and evolution, you know. It's, it's you know, you, you come in and throw your weight around too much at the start, you, you risk alienating the entire the entire playing group and then lasting half a season and then being out on your ear, which has happened. To, to coaches, you know, it's happened with us. It happened with Tony Gordon, with us in the nineties. It's happening with Richard Agar um, you know, now at Leeds. Mate, they are abject, and there are all sorts of rumours about what's going on with Agar. Mm. Um, and and you know, if if to anyone who's listening to this, you know, if you're driving the car, or you know, you sat at home, or you're doing whatever you're doing, just just stop, just just pause us for a second and have a quick look across at Leeds Rhinos Twitter and Facebook <laughs> you know if you think that we've got a couple of a couple of lunatics that go oh, you know you know it's, it, it's all is not rosy in the garden Jesus have a look over there good God you know and, and this is this is now what three years that Leeds have been an average team mm. Rather than a, a good team or a great team, they've been an average team—a team that can beat you or a team that can lose to you. You know, um, and they seem to be going backwards. And a lot of it, to me, with Leeds, Agar. Every I said this earlier. You know, every player that you talk to about Richard Agar when they're first signed for the team. For anything, when he's when he was our coach, when he was uh, assistant at Warrington, when he and when he's been at Leeds, oh, you know, when when I was looking at coming across, Rich said this and he sold the club to me, and you know, I can see his vision and everything. Well, that's fine. He's good. He's a good salesman, but he's not a coach. And you look what's happening over there, and you know, you can look right back to when they signed Sagiara, um, and you know, he didn't get the house they promised him. Um, he didn't get the pay packet that they promised him, and he buggered off after after six weeks because he just he went, well, this isn't what I was promised. I'd rather retire than play with this lot. Trent Merrin, you know, came over with all this blaze of glory. Spent more time in Australia than he did in 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 the UK, admittedly because there was some family issues there as well. But even when he came across, he was like, I've just got to get out. He signed a three year contract. He'd gone after one and a half. Um, there's something not right with that club. And, you know, the fish rots from the head, and the head is Hetherington, uh, or Hetherington's now, I suppose. Um, and Rich Agar is, is very much their blue-eyed boy. And I think the uh, the honeymoon has well and truly come to an end there. 
No, I was still shot of the Heverington's was brilliant. I couldn't stop laughing when I saw that on Twitter. <laughs> couldn't happen to a nicer club, as I say, one step ahead of our noisy neighbours. Somewhere that continue, but yeah, I think the moral of the story is we've got it. It's a process. It's a system. It's not all going to happen overnight. We've got to take steps in the right direction. See players that are coming to the fore that are going to take this club forward. I.e. your Connors, your Satis. You know, your Jordan Lanes when he's playing, your Diamond McIntoshes, your Adam Swift, your Josh Griffin, your Carlos Tumavavis, blah, blah, blah. They're the, they're the parts that will take this club forward. Brett Hodgson's obviously the mastermind behind that. He will take this club forward as well. We can see that. It's root and branch. That takes time. It deserves patience. And it deserves perseverance as well. It's not It's not a case of, oh, we've lost the game. Oh, let's, let's do some fact checks. Oh, we've won only three out of 14 or whatever. It's, it's, that's embarrassing. It's just fitting the narrative and not going away that uh, going away from that narrative because you've spat your dummy out, basically. And we've got to back the club. We really have. Um, I think most of us have done that and we will continue to do that. And you, every defeat hurts. That's the fact of being a Hull FC supporter. We, we love Hull FC to win every single game, but it doesn't pan out like that. St. Helens, as, as a standing as they are, will not win every game. They'll get beat this year at some point. But still head and shoulders, but it's it's how you get beat and how you respond from that and it's the manner of defeat as well. That's the key thing. I mean, what got me at Castleford, like I say, it wasn't a Billy, it was attitude. We've got to have the right attitude going into every single game. And if we get beat by the better team, I can accept that. That's what that's what happens. I think Wigan in the playoff was a prime example a couple of years ago. We 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 have a dig, we get we just get beat by an outstanding organisation. I can live with that. St. Helens in the cup again, we have a dig, we just get beat by a better team. I, again I can live with that. It happens because that's sport. But what I can't accept is Hull FC prancing around after one game, thinking they're all it, and then not prepared to do the, the hard yards, the nitty stuff, you know, not prepared to do the go forward and get beat because of that. That's when I think, oh no. And that's when it goes down to consistency. That's where you go down to attitude. That's where you go down the mentality road as well. And Hull FC's mentality has got to be right yeah. going forward. Well, the, the, proof, the proof of the pudding will be, will be when... Um, the next couple of weeks come come in because we haven't we haven't got um, we haven't got an easy run the next couple of weeks have we um, and when you, when you look at it objectively you'd hope that what we're saying is our what happened at Cass will really be the catalyst for us moving forward that the game that Hodgson can point to and go you could have won that you were better than them but you didn't want it enough mm. look at Leeds. On paper, massive underdogs, three to one on the betting you know, on on sports bet and, and bet for it and everything, three to one to win that game, and you've gone out and you've won it because your attitude was right. Now there's your two differences: favourites to win at Cass, terrible attitude, got turned over; underdogs at Leeds, right attitude, smashed them. That's what he needs to point to. These two results have got to be the example that he uses in the changing rooms for the rest of the season. It's all about the attitude. Yeah. All about the attitude. And, you know, we got a, we got Huddersfield next, and Huddersfield have had a really good start to the season, and they're probably one of the form teams in the league at the moment. They haven't really played anybody, but they're one of the form teams in the league and they're sitting above us in the league. We win that game, bloody hell, it's all on. Yeah. And, you know, this is the ridiculous thing. About you know when Hodgson said about player welfare and about you know short turnarounds and everything, we've got the longest turnaround of the round now. We don't play until Sunday. But when you, when you look at our run for the next couple of next couple of weeks, you know, Huddersfield at home, Wigan away, Rovers away, Wolves at home. Mm. With a, hopefully you a couple know? of cup games in there too. Yeah. 
and a couple of cup games. But what what a run of fixtures that is for us to really put a marker down. Mm. Tough. You think we beat Huddersfield? Mm. You think we beat Huddersfield? Wigan hasn't been great, and there's real undercurrent at Wigan as well of, of people not being happy with the way that they're playing. I mean, they might be getting the results, but they're not playing great. Yeah. That'll be a hell of a game against Wigan. Rovers, you know, it's a local derby. You throw the coins in the air and see where they land. I think a lot of the time there. Yeah. Um, and then home to Warrington, you know, and Warrington haven't been fantastic this year. Do you know we we could conceivably. By the end of you know, by mid-April, end of April, we could conceivably be looking at looking at a, um, um, a, a win-loss of, of one-six, lost two. We really could. On the contrary, it, it could, could easily be fa- it could be five and five, five and three, whatever. It could be five and five, and it could be bloody, it could be three and six. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing you just don't know, do you? Um, yeah, that makes for an exciting competition. Don't get me wrong, um, but with USC. I do think that if we if we come with that attitude week in week out, and, and this is really cliche, and, but we've got to take it week by week, game by game. But if we go with the right attitude week in week out, and we get stronger and stronger, and we keep building and building, and we get players back into the squad, and like I say, get stronger. There's no reason why we can't. Barring St. Ellens and barring Catalans, I think on our day we are as good as anything else in that competition. The the challenge is to put it together week by week by week, and that's that's been the problem. That's why we've been. You know, mid-table. That's why I think we'll be mid-table again this year. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. Like I said, I, my, my original prediction was Hull to finish seventh and just miss out on the top six. But the optimist is thinking, we can, we, we can, we can do better than that. We can we can get to fifth, maybe even fourth. We can do it if we get a bit of consistency because I don't think there's much to fear in this comp. I really don't. I think teams can have the day. I think a lot of clubs are like us. They can have the day where they look red hot. But then next week, they're, they're, they're mediocre or they're average. And I think there's a lot of those. I think you can throw Warrington in that tag. I think you can throw us, certainly Cass, yeah. certainly Rovers, certainly Salford, certainly, probably even Huddersfield as well. They had a good start, yeah. but they'll lose games in the coming weeks and they'll be thinking, how the hell did we lose that? It's like, oh, what do we say after Salford? We will lose games this season that we expect to win. And what happens at Cass? We, that, 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 there's your prime example. That's what happens. It's rugby. Yeah. It's sport. Yeah. It's how we respond and how we keep building. And, and yeah, we'll take it week by week and, and see what happens. And, but the thing is, if we're looking yep. directly now, what is field at home on Sunday? It's a game we have to win. We've got to get the attitude right. We've got to show that we can put it back to back and go two performances and go bang bang and and just show a few people yep. up and but not only that, to get the confidence within ourselves and think, yeah, we are a good team. We've got some outstanding players, we've got good shape, we've got good structure, we've got good go forward when we can be asked to do it. You know, we've got good defence when we all pull together. You know, one player I haven't even mentioned yet, Danny Houghton. He was very good against Salford with a low tackle count. I must admit, I thought he was lethargic at Castleford. Uh, the, the sin bin and a couple of kick chases where he just got ran round. And I just thought he was lethargic. I just didn't think it was what, we, what we've come to expect with Danny Houghton. Interestingly, Paul Cook said exactly the same in the Old Daily Mail as well. So there you go. We have the same opinion as a, as a, as a very, 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 very knowledgeable bloke who puts me in you to shame. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and previous and previous podcast guest, Paul Cook. He obviously learned a lot from us. Cookie learns from us now. <laughs> no, but again, he, he's already banged the drum about Huddersfield and it's a performance yeah. so you have to get right. They've got to show they can go back to back and they've got to, you know, yeah. just prove to themselves that they can do it. And, and then if they do do that, the place will be bouncing. Then we get a roll on and it all comes together. It's momentum. You can't beat it. Uh, but yeah, it's one game at a time. And I really do want to get excited, but I'm, I'm cautious. Uh, there was a really good point. Uh, 
um, a really good bloke called Lottie made on Twitter. His full name's Christy and Chris, whatever you want to call him. He said, we need to meet in the middle somewhere. We need to stop dancing with the fairies when we win and stop being so despair like, oh, hell's going to break loose when we lose. And it's about finding that yeah. middle ground. And he, he's right. Yeah. But with all that see, there's never a middle ground, though. We're either sublime or we're ridiculous. <laughs> there isn't, is there? We're, we're either brilliant, we're red hot or red hot. We are black or we are white. Yeah. We? I mean, it's, it's as simple as. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think um, a few people need a bite of the reality sandwich. Um, and I think they need it from both angles. I think some of the doom and gloom merchants need to just wake up and smell the coffee and look at exactly what we're doing and what we are and who we are and, and why we are where we are at the moment and need to understand that and need to and need to um, cut the team some slack. And, you know, I'm, I'm as guilty of it as anyone. I mean, some of the things I tweeted and some of the things I said and, and me jumping around my lounge room at, at um, 8 o'clock in the morning watching Hull beat Leeds, do you know what I mean? At that time, you know, you, you think, oh, God, we'd, we'd beat NRL teams playing like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so sum, sum all up then, very satisfied. Absolutely blown away by Jake Connor. Very content with the pack. Very content with the performance across the board. But we're measured. We're uh, realistic in our expectations still. And there's <laughs> that training way consistency going into Huddersfield and beyond. I mean, the Super League card from this weekend. Leeds 8, Hull 31. Wakefield 18, Toulouse 6, Salford 16. Rovers 26, St. Ellen's 28, Warrington 2. Huddersfield 36, Cast 24, Cats 28, Wigan 0. We've touched on a few things already. Uh, we've said Saints are outstanding, they're the, you know, the best. Huddersfield look good, second in the comp. We mentioned Wigan, you know, a bit underwhelming. Wakefield winning a relegation battle is probably a you know, key thing to come out of that. But, you know, just the golf, I think, is the main thing between St. Owens to then Catalans, but then Catalans from the rest. rest. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the thing, yeah. isn't it? I think there is a there is a gap developing there. Um what got me was Saints, right? They weren't even out first gear on Friday night. Watched the full game against Warrington. Who gave who gave a good account of themselves for twenty twenty five minutes, but then sent it on to yeah, take it up so. a notch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought they looked all right in patches. Um, they just got outclassed, didn't they? Yeah, they're a phenomenal organisation of Saint Helens, and I must admit the yeah. the touch screen analysis with John Wells and Johnny Lomax was like next level. They even talk a good mm. game. <laughs> they play a good game, yeah. but they talk yeah. it, and you, I think you can listen to Johnny Lomax for. Seven, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And that bloke is so intelligent. It, the insight he put in that seven-minute clip was better than anything I've seen. In, in It was as good as that Phil, Phil Gould analysis that did the rounds on Twitter when he was talking about Jonathan Thurston in one of the Origin games. Yes. Uh, it was as good as that. It was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. Um, NRL opening round then. I must admit, I was all high and mighty on Thursday night watching Penrith school manly Thursday morning going ahead on... On uh, on the evening, <laughs> pizza as well in our in the Manhattan pub before the game. I was living the dream. <laughs> very nice, yeah, very nice. Look, they were good, Penrith, uh, and especially without Cleary. Um, I thought um, O'Sullivan um, stood up very, very well. I thought they were they were good. I thought Manly were terrible. Um, no go forward, um, and and looked lethargic. Um, I didn't think they offered anything in rare creativity, um, and they just went missing for large portions of that game. I thought. I thought they were smothered. They were, yeah, I thought they were. They were. I thought that the um, scoreline flattered them. Could have been Actually, anything, could it? Yeah, it could have been they anything. Got by twenty-two points, I think mm. it flattered them. I really do. Yeah. Um, on to Friday, the early game was uh, Canberra and the Sharks. Real toss of the coin, this one I thought, but um, Raiders ground out a win. 
Um, Hodgson went off with a, I think it's an MCL rather than an ACL, but he did his knee again, um, which won't be good viewing for any uh, Parramatta Real supporters because he's going there next year. Um, but the Raiders were good. Um, they were, they looked organised. Sharks went nineteen eighteen up with five minutes to go, but the Raiders didn't panic and um, and and got the last try and, and uh, kicked the goal and, and did very well. I thought they they looked all right. Um, Canberra. I worried about them this year, but uh, I think uh, I think they might surprise a few times. Um, interestingly, as well, Fitzgibbon's first game in charge of the Sharks turned out not to be his first game in charge of the Sharks because he came down with COVID and ended up having to sit at home watching it on Fox. Right. <laughs> so, um, he'll take charge of his first game next week. Um, Broncos against the Rabbitohs. I honestly thought South would smash them. Um, Broncos beat them 11-4. Albert Kelly and um, Billy Walters in the halves were very, very good. Walters very much the organising halfback. Kelly is very much the maverick, roam anywhere, you know, running um, five-eighths. They did very well and the Bunnies just didn't look capable of doing much. Um, they really missed Adam Reynolds as that steadying hand in attack. Um, they've got a young kid there playing um, playing halfback now and uh, they just didn't look very good at all 11-4 and um, yeah there's a lot of work to do with the Souths I think then the, the surprise of the round and, and you've touched on it earlier Roosters 6 Knights 20 they were just too good the Knights they really were just too good Roosters looked clunky like you said Tedesco looked awful they, they got beaten in the forwards and you can't often say that about a Roosters team um, Knights were just very, very good and rolled them, just absolutely ambushed them and rolled them. Um, Warriors got beaten by the Dragons. Dragons were good. Um, Ravalawa scored a hat trick for uh, St George. They looked okay. Um, I thought I think they're the real deal. It's two very poor sides, the Warriors and the Dragons. Um, Saturday night, the Tigers and the Storm, what a game this was. Um, Storm won. Tigers were ahead at half time, um, but the Storm came over the top of them and won. Very expensive win for them, though. Brandon Smith broke in his hand. Um, Christian Welsh did his ACL. George Jennings did his ACL. Um, so basically, now meaning the Storm are desperate for players. Um, there's there's a rumour going around that they're trying to sign Tarek Sims from the Dragons, who's kind of out of um, out of first team contention at the moment. The Dragons are since trying to go in a different direction and it wouldn't surprise me if Bellamy tried to get uh, Tarek Sims in just for a few bodies um, Tigers will do okay this year I think um, Hastings was very very good um, and his um, his uh, partnership with Luke Brooks looked like it was going to uh, um, bear a bit of fruit this year I, th- I thought they were um, they were pretty unlucky to lose really um, then the mental game um, Eels and Titans 32-26 Six twenty-eight, thirty-two twenty-eight to the Eels. Total, total tri-fest. Um, unbelievable. Um, Tigers, Titans, I think, were robbed, personally. Um, I thought um, they were um, very good for the win, but the Eels just managed to, I don't know, they, they just... This was one of the games with the uh, the HIAs and the um, captain's challenges and everything. And, you know, it was... It was uh, it was probably the Titans game to lose that one and um, the Eels just managed to sneak it at the death. And then the worst game of the round, Cowboys and Bulldogs. Awful game. Um, got to 20 minutes before the end 
and the heavens just opened. This is in North Queensland, absolute monsoon. Um, and it just stopped the game as a, as a spectacle and just meant that both teams were playing football up the jumper, just, just playing for a penalty in front of the sticks to try and get an extra two points. And then right at the end, Cowboys won it. Um, Tabra Fedor went through, followed a kick chase through and scored, but was marginally offside. So I ended up being Cowboys 4, Bulldogs 6. An absolute wooden spoon playoff. Two <laughs> terrible teams. Honestly think most Super League teams would have beaten either of them. That's how bad they were. They were both terrible. Offered nothing in attack. It wasn't the... You know, normally when you see a scoreline like that in rugby league, Dan, you think, oh, great, defence is on top. Yeah. What a war of attrition that would be. Nah. This was just a drop-a-thon. Just awful. Terrible game. That's yeah. it. And we, we, we said as much, didn't we? Uh, that Canterbury half us. We had a few Trent Barrett, Trent Barrett uh, mm. rants on this podcast <laughs> over the over the months that we've done it now. <laughs> um, yeah, there's probably a few surprises thrown in there. Um, not many people would have expected the Sydney Roosters to get beat. That's for certain. Um, yeah. Must admit, though. Um, what did I say when you tipped Manly last week? Behave. <laughs> Never doubt the Penrith Panthers, the best rugby league organisation in the world. My tipping for the week was four from eight, and I think most people's tipping was four from yeah, eight. Yeah, so. yeah. No one's seeing the Roosters beat, sorry, lose to Newcastle. And no, nobody, football... took, nobody took the Broncos, nobody yeah, took the Knights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if again, from a Hull FC point of view, good to see Albert Kelly um, yeah, popping absolutely. up with an interception try. He's still got some legs in the in the old horse yet. Um, yeah, that was good mm. to see. Uh, it'd be nice to see Craig Fitzgibbon actually be at a game and make his debut. So he was very good in the two years that he had at Hull. And that's the thing I like about the NRL because there's always a connection. Obviously, last season we did the, the club connections with every single club right the way through. Um, yeah. I think that's a lot of lot of um, reasoning to why Hull fans pick a club. I mean, I, I went completely away from the book here. I picked Penrith because I liked Gus Gold there at the time and... I thought it was about time I, I made a decision. This was back in 2016 and Nathan Cleary was coming through. Matt Moylan was there. You know, they had a really good brand of football and I just, I like that. I, I like the fact as well, they're an, they're an outcast and they're out on an edge of Sydney and, and they're playing black, you know, prominently black as well, which is my favourite colour. So it was a no-brainer. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I almost did as well with, with Penrith. I mean, when, when I started, when I emigrated over here, um, Shane Richardson was in charge of Penrith and, um, and David Maiden was one of the junior coaches. And, you know, I went across there, uh, watched the game in my whole shirt, and Shane Richardson came across and said, oh, make sure you come back to the club after the game. And, you know, I didn't buy a drink all night, and I got free feed and got sat with, with Dave Maiden and his well, now ex-wife. And, and you know, I had, um, had a great night of it and, and honestly thought, well, that's it, I'm a Panther. Do you know, but then when I actually was starting to apply for jobs across here and, and you know the first job I got was at West Tigers and I just thought well that's it then I'm a Tiger they kind of adopted me and I adopted them um, I think I've said to you at the time as well I've said to you recently having to choose a team after being born into Hull FC is really bloody hard isn't it it is that's what I mean it is yeah, you, it's really yeah. hard Hull well, FC is yeah. not an option it's something you in most of our cases it's, it's something it's exactly yeah. it's a bad fight it's something you're dragged into by your mum and dad Um mm. Yeah, well, when you're picking an NRL club, I mean, I noticed a lot of people around my dad's age like Parramatta because of Sterling, and a lot of people, yeah, because of Sterling, yeah, yeah, and a lot of people my age like South because of obviously the Badgers clan. Um, so it's yeah. interesting, yeah, it's interesting way of thinking because we've all got to pick something. Like I say, that's a choice. It's not something we've been 
dragged into literally by the scuff of our neck mm. saying, right, Dan, you're off to the boulevard now, whether you like it or not, as a five-year-old. <laughs> it's it's just something that happened. <laughs> um, yeah, I like it, though. I like, I, I like the rage. It's funny, because I see Titans, Titans fans, people that support Paramatta, Manly, got a mate called Kev who supports Manly, and I was ragging saying no one likes you. You like the leads of the NRL. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, <laughs> also like the fact that it's televised over here as well. We have a few games, and a lot of people have the app as well. So it's something we have access to now, which is nice. Because uh, it is the Premier Rugby League competition in the world. Nothing beats the NRL. It's class. Yeah, true. 100%. But yeah, um, we look forward to Sunday. Hull uh, FC versus Huddersfield now. We hope we can make it back-to-back for the first time. This season, round six, it would be nice to tick that box off and see if we can put two together. And then we'll see who, who we await in the cup draw. Uh, that'll come out, obviously, as this, uh, as this podcast airs and obviously the dreaded disciplinary news. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see the, the team he goes with as well. Because um, obviously, you know, you, you've got a winning team, um, even though it was a pretty cobbled together team. It's a winning team. Yeah. And you, you think you might get a few bodies back. Um be very interesting to see who misses out, who who steps in, who what the bench makeup will be. Obviously, we've got to look for a replacement for uh, for Keita because Keita's not going to be playing, obviously. And um, you know, you got to hope that Sal um, and Satai pull up okay from what were gargantuan efforts. I know Sal went off five minutes to go and they put some ice on his hamstring. Yeah. But, um, let's just let's just see how we go. I mean, they might decide to to rest them. Um, yeah, we've got some bodies to come back. Obviously, I think, don't know if Tumavave's close yet. Mao's got to be close. There's, there's going to be a few back. Yeah, Manuel Mao's supposed to be back this week and um, for the Huddersfield game. Then again, Carlos was supposed to be back for Salford. So maybe we'll get some clarity midweek, some time frames and and whatnot. But yeah, we'll just see what happens and and deal with the cards that were dealt on Sunday. That's a massive cliche, but it's. It's what you got to do, isn't it? That's and what you can do. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's easy frustrating to lose potentially four players from the Leeds win. I do think Saturday is probably a precaution. I mean, we saw him, came over to the old fans after the game. He was clapping and had some ice on his thigh. But hopefully he'll be all right. Uh, you know, took half, haven't we, um, with Kane Evans and Jamie Shaw. But hopefully they'll be okay. Hopefully just precautional. You don't know. I mean, I dread to think if Evans is going to be banned, but it's pointless talking about it because I say we don't know the news yet. It comes out after this airs. Uh, yeah, yeah it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see what happens. We've just got to you know, say, suck it up and deal with whatever we're throwing. But, I mean, the point there, two calves, do you blame it on the head on the pitch? Do you blame some of the Achilles on the you know, the Achilles injury to Joe Cater? Do you blame that on the pitch or is it just one of those things? Is it is it the fact that we've had a short turnaround, four days? I must admit, I'd love the fact that Hodgson mentioned that as well after winning because it just sounds like sour mm. grapes when you lose, but when you win, you can yeah. sort of dance it, make a song and dance yeah, about yeah, you it. You can put it in a bit, can't you? Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, you look at that Leeds team, like I say, you know, hardly the entire pack hardly made as many, you know, just made more metres than Satai did on his own. Um, Satai made more metres than any Leeds player after contact than they made without contact. I think the reason why he might have got a bit of a strain is because we were trying harder. Yeah. <laughs> Simple yeah. as. You yeah. know, we're getting the injuries because we're actually putting it all there on the line because we knew we had to. On, on Whereas a Leeds pitch. look disinterested. Yeah. And, and I must admit, again, for Barry to say that that ground's the best in Soul Plague with that pitch and that end. Yeah, all right. It's just, yeah, it's not. He hasn't <laughs> got one either. 
Let's not forget, he's only got one eye. Yeah, case closed. <laughs> and on that note, um, yeah, we'll leave that there. Um, thanks for your time, as always, Rich. And we're just long for that word consistency. If we get it, brilliant. And come on, you all. Absolutely.